Life Audio. You're listening to Therapy and Theology, and I'm your host, Carly Merclear. This podcast is a space where we explore popular topics and questions related to the convergence of faith, feelings, spiritual formation, and more. My prayer is that through these conversations, we will grow in our awareness of who we are as beloved children of God, learn to acknowledge our needs and emotions with curiosity and compassion, and rediscover the purpose and power of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. As a licensed therapist and ministry leader, I want to give voice to the many questions we face while cultivating a clearer view of how our faith informs our healing journey. I don't have all the answers, but I am committed to going deeper and walking together. So whether you've been to therapy or know exactly what you believe when it comes to theology, I want to invite you to join this journey as we fearlessly name the complexities of our present reality and press into the hope of the gospel story. So are you ready? Let's jump into today's question and begin this journey together. everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Therapy and Theology. If you have been listening to the podcast lately, we have been discussing the theme of embodiment, and today we're going to connect it back to our faith journeys in the form of exploring and understanding how to rebuild our spirituality after deconstruction. For many that have experienced disembodied spirituality, trauma, or toxic fundamentalism, It can lead to questioning faith, and for some, it can lead to walking away from faith altogether. The challenge I've been able to see for so many is that deconstruction or doubting oftentimes leaves people in a place where they don't feel safe to ask hard questions or honest questions about how to reconcile their lived experience with what they believe to be true. So questions that come up often are things like, how do we face our fears of the unknowing without support? Or what do we do with our doubts and distorted messages of faith and spirituality? Who do we turn to when we feel like everyone is just fine with their beliefs and we're having no comforting words for our confusion? Well, today we get to talk to Amanda Waldron about all of these things and more. Amanda is a faith deconstruction reconstruction coach and holds a master's degree in clinical social work. She works at the intersection of mental health, social work, 
theology through coaching, consulting, and providing support to Christians and communities who are wrestling through big doubts and questions and also hope to stay within the Christian faith. Her goal is to help people ask different questions and widen the lens of what can be possible in Christian spirituality. Welcome to the show, Amanda. I'm so honored to have you join me today. And I would love for us to start today's conversation by just hearing a little bit more about your journey as it relates to the intersection of deconstruction and reconstruction and embodiment. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So I got into this work like most people, because they had their own experience with deconstruction. So I always label it my big deconstruction and then my my little river of deconstruction that's happened since then. But my big deconstruction was about 15 years ago when I just had a lot of theological questions that weren't adding up, was trying to get answers. Um, and that was just leading me to more and more questions. And I kind of went down the spiral of deconstruction and depression and anxiety because I'd grown up in the faith, it was really integral to my identity. And so to be at a point in time where I was like, well, what does this mean for me? What does this mean about God? What does this mean about the world? And feeling like I was just starting from scratch and not knowing like who to trust or what resources to go to. And eventually in the midst of that, I ended up taking some seminary classes and starting counseling at the same time because I was like, I need to figure this out. I got to the point where I was like, I feel like this is too integrated into who I am for me to completely stop (laughs) believing, but the way that I'm operating right now is not working. (laughs) So both seminary and counseling taught me that I could maybe have a more flexible mindset with with viewing my faith, which was super helpful. And then around the time of the pandemic, right? Like if you're in the U.S., you know, these years of like 2014 to 2020 in present day, like just this upheaval and questioning of like, what is what is going on in the American church? Yeah. In people's faith lives. And so just seeing a surge of people kind of going through this experience that I had been through and like going through my own experience too. It's really unnerving to see people that grew your faith as a child, act in ways that seem counter to what they taught you. Well, yeah. And so it got to the point where I was like, I wonder if I can help with this and kind of looked around. I was really looking to see if there was somebody out there that I would have connected to during my big deconstruction, which was somebody that had hope for faith reconstruction, right? Like that could hold the space for doubt and questions. But I knew at that point, like I wanted to remain within the faith. And what I was finding was that there were a lot of people that were able to kind of hold space for doubt and questions, but maybe not as many people that can hold space for that faith piece. Yeah. There are a lot of helpers out there. So regardless of if any listeners are on the spectrum of deconstruction, right? Like there's a helper for you, but I tend to be the one that people seek out that have hopes of, okay, how can I, how can I remain within this faith? Um, and maybe a more expanded or embodied way. Yeah, I love that. I think that I've seen that in my own practice and in my own process, I should say, um, <laughs> both personally and professionally. I, I do a lot of integration in my work. And what I'm realizing is there is just so much, there is so much to question and and, and rightfully so based on some of the upbringings that 
we encounter. And yet there is that really challenging piece of how do we reconstruct? You know, we're like, it's really important. And I did a whole series on it last season about like taking out the things that aren't healthy and really being able to not just see black and white, but what does it look like? What does that process look like to reconstruct? That's sometimes a really a delicate situation, but also there aren't a lot of people talking about it. So I'm really grateful for you and the work that you do. Yeah, that reconstruction part, I think can feel sensitive too, because right, like just like deconstruction can get that sense of like, oh, you have to deconstruct in a certain way. I think sometimes there can be that hesitancy of like, okay, when you say reconstruction, what is that? What does that mean? Do you have a certain idea where you want my faith to be? And I think as a helper and right with that therapist background, the hope is just to like, where do you like, where do you want your faith to be? How do you connect with the values of your the faith in the season? What's yeah, working? What can you connect with? And right, kind of tailoring it to the person. Yeah. And that that kind of leads to kind of an introductory question. I think one of the biggest things, biggest challenges I tend to see and hear with this whole process, whether it's from the deconstruction side or the reconstruction side, is that so many people do not feel safe to talk about what they're going through, right? And I, I imagine this is something that happens um, in your work a lot. And so I would love for you to share just how do you begin to help people in this process establish safety? And is that even a piece of it? I don't know. Yeah, that is hard because it it's safety on what level, right? Like, because I think a lot of people want safety within the community that they're in. And the truth is that their community may not be safe to ask these questions. And sure. Yeah. And so we look at that, right? I I am working with a couple of clients right now who <laughs> their views on their faith are expanding and they're not quite sure how to integrate that into the current places that they're in or how to show up authentically when they are maybe in flux. So I think a lot of times safety too is coming back to the safety of yourself that some of the things we deconstruct is that lack of self-trust because I think there's some messages out there that say, right, like your heart is deceitful, you can't trust yourself. And I think what that does is really kind of divorce us from our senses and our bodies and our own knowing. And so maybe that safety is first reestablishing with yourself of like, can, do you know your boundaries? Do you know how to maybe have some of these crucial conversations or harder conversations? Can you trust yourself to show up when things start to feel unsafe? And then, of course, right, like that, I don't know, <laughs> I know the word in therapy, right? Like the therapeutic alliance. So maybe yeah, yeah. an alliance of like, yeah, if you're working with somebody in this area, you want to make sure that you trust them, yeah. right? And so I like the way that I do that or try to do that for clients is, showing up with empathy, right? Like everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants to feel like they're understood. Showing up with consistency, right? Like, are you showing up in the ways that, like, are you the same person every time that you show up? And I think that is some of the safety that can be established, but right? Like if you are, yeah, there are just some systems and some environments that maybe don't have the structure for safety that's needed to maybe explore some of these topics. Yeah, and I think that's a, honestly a helpful way of of just maybe validating it in a sense is that the reality of those spaces not being safe can tell us something like my body's response <laughs> to this environment is not helpful. Right? Therefore, I know I need to take a step back or set a boundary there. And 
I say this to my friends and even to to clients of like, we would never tell someone who had a, a trauma to go back to the place of their trauma. And so I think a lot of times we can relate that into the church context of, hey, if you're having a traumatic response, like if you're having PTSD symptoms or just a flooding, it might not be the space for you right now. And that's okay. And like honoring that can be really challenging, I know, but also there is so much space for honoring that feeling and still pressing into what how is God showing up in this? And can God show up in this? I do believe he can. Yeah. I Yes. I think there's a, there can be a lot of denying of bodily sensations or denying of, or the presence of like spiritual bypassing. Like I should be able to get through this. Like I can't trust what my body's saying and I, I need to be at this place, but I, our, our bodies have a lot to tell us and our bodies are a key instrument in how we connect with God. And so That's right. sometimes there are times where we need to listen and maybe provide safety for that part of us. So I don't know if you could give your working definition for deconstruction, because I know it's a really popular term in our culture right now, but I would love for you to share just a little bit about that and maybe even, you know, what what you would identify as the reconstruction process. Yeah, I used to have a really concise definition, but it's not pulling up in my mind right now. <laughs> so basically when it's I okay. talk about deconstruction, it's, it's kind of the examining of maybe assumed or given beliefs. So I think a lot of times deconstruction can happen because there's like a theological, like there's a belief structure that shifts or change. It can be through lived experiences. Some sort of catalyst makes us start to question maybe an un- unassumed again, right? Like, oh, I never had to think about this before and now I do. And that can be a natural part of the faith. In fact, it should be a natural part of the faith. I think deconstruction tends to get labeled when it becomes more more than just that natural like ebb and flow in faith and it becomes maybe a little bit of this crisis moment of ebbing and flowing like now this is like gushing there's too many things that are that are shifting or being challenged and then reconstruction is that process of consciously deciding what gets put back what can i connect with what is anchoring me back to the faith and can i build around that anchor to have faith is, yeah, that that is authentic and embodied and connecting walk to God. Yeah, I love that. And I I see so often, I don't know if you've read Charles Kaiser's book, uh, Trauma-Informed Evangelism, but it's fantastic. And he talks a lot about how like separating the two of like the idea of moving away from the distorted images of God or the assumed beliefs or even the the preached beliefs that we've maybe gathered in our Christian upbringing, um, separating them from God himself and that this connective empathic um, God. And that that's such a hard thing to do. And so much needed, I think. I like the way that you say examining. That's such a, I don't know, I think it's a really, it's an invitation to all believers, isn't it? To be able to examine our assumed beliefs or even the things that we are being taught to make sure it aligns with both our lived experience and the way that we're connecting with God and others. I think that's helpful. Yeah. Why I, the group that I lead was just talking about, right? Like this idea of all of this stuff that gets projected onto the name of God, 
and how the a lot of work to disentangle maybe what we've been told or taught from like the essence of God. Right, right. Yeah. So when you are going along this process, you know, this is kind of what you do. You're a coach, right, for those that are wanting this. And so what would you say are some of the essential steps for those that are looking to reconstruct a more holistic faith after or in the midst of deconstruction? Yeah, I think there are a lot, a lot of parts. But some of the ones okay. that come up, to, come up to mind are what I call these anchor points. So like, what okay. what is your why? Like, why do you want to stay connected to the faith? Like, what still feels true? What can you go back to when it feels like everything is untethered or flying away? Right? So having those, I don't know, one to three things of like, okay, I believe this, I believe this, and I believe this. So for me, when I deconstructing and reconstructing, I, or I guess reconstructing, I, the thing that I could still hold on to is like, okay, God is faithful for whatever reason that, that stayed put. And so I would keep coming back to that in these moments where it just felt like, I don't know if anything is, I don't know if anything is true. I don't know if I'm sure. doing the right thing and having to come back to like God's faithfulness. It could look a lot different. Like that could be like Jesus or love or whatever that looks like. And then I think there is this reckoning of grief work as well. Mm, There's so true. Yeah. a lot of loss that comes in this process. Loss of simplicity, loss of certainty, loss of community sometimes, loss of what you thought your relationship with, with God was going to look like. So I think there is this, there needs to be space and time for that grief. Mm. And then also connecting back to values right? Like what are the values of your faith in this season? So maybe it's curiosity or maybe it's authenticity or joy, um, wonder, right? So identifying kind of what what values is my faith holding right now? And that'll change from season to season. Sure. I like that because it anchors it in the now. Yeah. Like what is, what do I need right now? Right. Yeah. And maybe it's rest. Maybe the value of your faith right now is rest. Maybe you've been in the deconstruction for a long time and you just need to Right. Like God take that active role and maybe you can take a passive role in in this season. Well, I really do link to with with the grief work that is needed in that stage, because I think of my own process through my own wall or deconstruction or whatever you want to call it. And really recognizing that there was expectations I think I had of God yeah. that I needed to grieve. Mm-hmm. And and then therefore, like the 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 relationship would change. Um, and I think that's a really helpful, hard, but helpful piece yeah. of like, we don't do really great with holding grief as a society in general, nope. but like really leaning into it as a believer can be even harder. So that's a really helpful, helpful piece of that. How long do you, I know this is a silly question because I'm also a therapist. And so I know that there is no answer, but in a coaching kind of context, do you have a set time frame where you do this work with clients or is it more like fluid because this type of work, grief process, right, is so fluid? It is, right? Like, and this isn't an open and shut case. So I lead a, I lead a group coaching program and it's six weeks. And I okay. always say at the beginning, like, okay, we're not going to solve everything in these six weeks. But can we get tools or can we get different ways to think about this? Can we shift a little bit where it's a little bit easier after these six weeks? Or in the spring, I have a yet to be named idea. Well, <laughs> um, I'm thinking maybe like four weeks. And again, right? Like I don't think that is 
the end all be all of like, okay, you're good to go forever. Because I, I do think this reconstruction process or once you've been through a big deconstruction. Yeah. I think reconstructing is in the mix with your faith for the rest of the life. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You change after going through a period of, of big doubt. And so I think it can be a tool for the moment and the season and can maybe propel you to the next phase or step of your faith. But yeah, it's not going to be like one and one and done. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, that's like a really good way of looking at it, though. I think there's such a need, especially in the in the onset or in the middle, <laughs> in the in between, right, um, to get the the support and the tools that we need in order to then move forward, feeling really confident that we can. Yeah. If I think about a bell curve, I tend to catch people that have been through the like the depths of the deconstruction and are maybe starting to climb up the hill, <laughs> right? They've seen some things and they've come to a point where they're like, I think I want to stay. Yeah. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. like that. Well, that kind of leads into my next question. Like in the work that you do, what do you see are some of the most challenging aspects of this whole process? And then maybe some of the most powerful shifts that you get to see. Because I bet that's such a, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it in my own clinical work. And it's just so powerful to just watch people walk through that and just come out change, but in such a, such a you know, beautiful way. I think on the clinical side, because I do some of this work in my clinical therapy practice as well, I think it is that re- restoration of self-trust for individuals have, that have been in such high controlling experiences for them to start to like realize that they can make decisions for themselves and call them like good um, um, or that they can know God in ways that may be different than what they t- were told that they could know God. I think that is always just so profound when people start to recognize that and practice that. That's some of my favorite work to walk alongside clients with. But I also, right, like I do think that there, there is a lot of spiritual trauma that happens. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. so I think some of the challenge with that, right, like coaching can only do so much with that. Uh-huh. Um, if there is is trauma with a spiritual experience, that's where clinical work is needed with a therapist. Oh, fair. And so I think even sometimes that label, right? Like I think getting the word out that this is not just like an intellectual thing, but that sometimes our deconstruction is a full body thing, right? Like there's so much emotion with it. Yeah, We can have these traumatic experiences and not even like recognize that's what we've gone through. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think also for me personally, and this is some of my own kind of like my own work and my own baggage that comes with this too, is that I have a fear of like, oh, you've gone too far. Like you <laughs> and your faith. Oh, yeah. I saw you're teaching other people to do that, right? Which is a again. <laughs> Like cognitively, I know that that is probably some former teaching that I still need to examine, but this stuff runs deep. And so I think people can also get frustrated of like, hey, I've been working on this for a while. Why is this still affecting me? Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Some of your deepest programming. 
<laughs> that's right. Uh, that's so validating too. I say that to clients all the time. Like, you know, you've been only working on this for like <laughs> six months. You lived it for 25 years, you know? So like, you got to give yourself a little bit of a yeah. break. <laughs> but just even the awareness of, of when something like that comes up to be able to note it as like, I know where this is coming from and I can name it like that. Wow. That it's hard yet still, I think such a evidence of growth yeah. in the sense of, oh, I, you know, I've had to say to clients before, this is not just like, you know, some unhealthy teaching, like this is spiritual abuse. Like this was weaponized against you for years. And that language, although hard to accept, can really validate like, oh, that's why I'm feeling like anxious when I walk into a church or I, someone says, you know, a spiritual word and I just tense up. Yeah. That can be really, I think, disembodying in some way if we wanted to stay in the faith, but yet faith language kind of creates that. Yeah. And so it may be finding another language to talk about that with or recognizing like, oh, yeah, this is something I need. Like, this is a sensation that I need to pay attention to. I need to take care of myself in this moment versus kind of pushing through and self-sacrificing to the point of dysregulating your nervous system. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, that's so hard. I I definitely see that a lot just in the in the areas that I'm working in right now. And so what what are some of the things that you do? I love that idea of like renaming things, but when it comes to having conversations that are highly triggering like spiritual language, even some of the spiritual disciplines in like church environments, what are some of the I don't know tools or ways that you help your clients to navigate those triggers? Firstly, I might advise them to like minimize their exposure to them, right? Like if they're yeah. not in a place where maybe they're feeling grounded enough, working with a good therapist to help regulate the nervous system. So then you feel like you've got choice again versus your body just taking over Yeah, can be really helpful. Finding Again, there are a lot of helpers out there that use different language, like, right, like looking for different theology, what <laughs> feels better in the body or different word. A lot of times I feel like we, right, like there are these Christian words that we use to label things. But I think there are other people using different words and maybe the word itself doesn't necessarily matter yes. as much. So maybe finding your own language of, right, like if prayer or spiritual disciplines are triggering phrases, then, okay, how would you describe that? Okay, maybe it's connecting to, to what God's doing. Maybe it's checking in with God. That sounds like a really, like a college catchphrase. Just check in with God. <laughs> no, maybe I wouldn't use that one. You know, everybody's different. They can come up with their own language. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Help yeah. them as a coach, but you're going to get cheesy, cheesy. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's so true, though, just depending on the person, right? It's so specific because the messages that we've taken in throughout our upbringings really do impact that, you know, so for some, someone, maybe prayer is okay, but for other people, you know, it might feel like something that casts shame or creates a pressure. And so being able to kind of hold space for that and then also acknowledge like, hey, it can be listening. It can be, you know, yeah. connecting and centering, whatever word works. And that permission to like, I don't know, cut yourself some slack, right? Like, yeah, yeah. if you ha had 20 years to, I, 
to create your faith identity and then it gets challenged and you have to rebuild it. Like we can't rebuild everything at the same time. And so sometimes being able to give yourself permission, or I like to say it in the terms of, right, like that active versus passive God of like, okay, I've been like, I've been the one that's actively been building my faith for 20 years and pay for God to take the active role right now. And I can just rest. Like God can hold, yeah. hold like the stakes of my faith. I love that. That's that's so helpful. I think it can be, it can feel like we have to do it all, right? Like I have to be pursuing this to figure it out. And I think that does come from that, you know, more polaristic, like right and wrong, yes or no, kind of all or nothing thinking. Our, yeah, productive, like even our culture, I think, pushes us yeah. toward that of like, keep producing for God. Like maybe we actually just need to rest Being, now. Yeah. yeah. Be with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. That's it's so important to to reflect on that. Remember that. Okay. So there's so many other questions that I could ask you, but I don't know if there's any other piece of this that you could maybe give for for both the listener that is, you know, challenged with needing or wanting to deconstruct, reconstruct, kind of explore. I love what you said, examine their their process. And then also for those maybe that have friends or family members in the midst of this process, what is maybe an encouragement or even an embodied practice that we can maybe give to one, both of these audiences? Yeah. Oh, like as something that would work for both of them? No, or like one and then the other. Yeah. All right. So for those, yeah, that are reconstructing, I think I would point you back to that anchor point. But then another thing I've been doing with clients recently is there's, I use this first in therapy, like it's a grounding technique where you use your senses to take in information um, of the here and now. So like, what are five things you see, hear, taste, touch, and feel the sensation of bringing in like felt information. And then translating that to maybe looking for God in the world. So like, Mm -hmm. where do you see God. So if I look out my window, I might see this tree and or I might see the sky. Or where do I hear God? Oh, I hear God in my cat playing with a toy or in the voices of my neighbors. Where do I smell God? Where do I taste God? Where do I like have the felt sense of God? And that embodied practice can sometimes, I don't know, give us permission to maybe experience or bring those senses of God into the here and now. Yeah, I love that. And then for those who may have friends or family in the midst of deconstruction, go look at one of my most recent Instagram posts of things not to say, but also... Yes, also I love that post, yes. <laughs> um, I think people just want to be heard and understood, right? So I go for friends and family that deconstruction can just mean a lot of different things. And that can be really fearful for somebody. Yeah, it's like, scary. Are they going to leave the faith? And what does that mean for them? And so I think as much as you can keep that fear in check for yourself and with your friend or family member to ask questions and not in a yeah. leading way, but asking open-ended questions such as like, okay, so tell me, like, tell me where you're at in your faith. Like, what do you think about that? What does support feel like for you? How can I support you in this? I think can be really liberating because I would say that 99% of my clients say that they want their friends and family to show up. Like, absolutely. 
Yeah. And then if you are having your own fear and anxiety around that, then that may be a good place for you to find a like a counselor or another friend to process that with. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Having clients on both ends of that spectrum, it's been a balance, right, of of being able to hold space for the fear and the anxiety of a family member, right? And I, I understand that where that comes from. And then also inviting them into that process of, hey, this is actually part of the faith and part of the practice. And something my therapist has said to me that I love is just like when our faith goes beyond something that's tangible, you know, something that's written, something that's like visible and just recognizing like God lives outside of those things too. And that can be so beautiful. He's calling us deeper, maybe, you know, that that sometimes can reframe that. Which deeper is and wider. Yeah. Because I think, right, like all of us are just trying our best to understand yeah. God. And I think all of us are limited in that. And again, trying to do the best we Absolutely. can. Absolutely. So, right, like we don't, there's nobody in the history of the world that has gotten it 100% right, even if there is a white. <laughs> right. That's right. So you're in good company. You're doing just fine. Keep it up. Oh, that's cheaper. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Take a breath. I love that. That's going to be the the mantra for this one. It's like, just rest and, and let God do the work. Yeah, that's good. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. I really appreciate just you being here and your thoughts on this. Is there any other things that we missed that we need to get to? But, I mean, <laughs> Right. Like this is a lifetime. <laughs> it really is. Here's a little case. If you need support, find someone like Carly or myself in a therapy yeah. or right. Like check out, check out my stuff at HamandaWaldron.com. Yes. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just a pleasure and energi- energizing for me. I'm always mm-hmm. and excited to help people discover some of these truths and an easier way to be in faith. Yes. And check out her Instagram because it's hilarious. You have the best videos. (laughs) They're so relatable. (laughs) Like to keep it funny. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Therapy and Theology. If you have a question or topic you would like discussed on a future episode, please feel free to email me or drop it in the comments. Also, don't forget to subscribe to have each week's episode instantly downloaded to your podcasts. And see the show notes for resources mentioned in this episode. To access more content and join my monthly email list for the latest updates and info, visit my website at carlymarcoyer.com. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.